And yeah, we are back at Casual Sports Talk. This is obviously Ethan here. How are you guys doing today? I hope everyone's having a fantastic day. Uh, I'm here from, it, you know what, it's snowy here actually. It's snowy Brock University. Um, I'm here today. I have a little bit of a, a long podcast for you guys, but there's a lot that I want to get off my chest. There's a lot that's happened in the past week or so, and a lot of controversial topics that's coming up that I kind of just want to talk about today. I'll leave Brady and Rap the analysis for the Super Bowl, but I will give you my thoughts on the NFC AFC Championship, of course, later on in the episode. And I don't know what a prediction, but I'll give you a quick uh, kind of tips and what I think each team has to do to win. Without further ado, though, I really want to get started on what I want to talk about today. And the first topic that I want to talk about, it's going to be a lot of hot takes today, but trust me, I have opinions and I have stats to back it up. I have some facts to back it up and I have some logic that I use to back up my opinions here. And if we're talking, we're going to start with the NBA here. We're going to start with some basketball. And obviously, the best team in the league, I don't think anyone can argue, the Golden State Warriors probably en route to a third championship in a row. They have a problem, actually. You never thought you'd hear that, right? The Golden State Warriors have a problem coming up. Uh, this offseason is going to be a tough one. They're at a crossroads right now, and I'll get to it in just a second. But the whole title that I'm going to call this little segment I have here um, is my central argument. And the argument I have right now is Clay Thompson and Draymond Green should be what the Warriors focus on resigning, not Bucky Cousins and not Kevin Durant. So a bit of a bold take, I guess, on, on my perspective, considering Kevin Durant's probably one of the best players in the league, but follow me here. All right, guys, just follow me here. And like I said, the 2018-19 Warriors are probably the most complete team I have ever witnessed in my lifetime, at least. They are the best and the worst thing to happen to the NBA in a long time. Everyone hates them. Everyone hates them because they're doing so well. They're like Alabama. They're like the Patriots. Everybody hates a good team. When you're watching them, it's like watching an All-Star game every single night. Uh, they haven't scored under 100 points in a game since December 12th. They've only scored under 100 points another four times this season. They absolutely stole Boogie Cousins, making them the ultimate villain team. And like I said, they are very likely, very, very likely en route to a third consecutive NBA championship, fourth in five years. And like I said, they're at a crossroads. This could very easily be the end of the Warriors dynasty, a dynasty that... Honestly, you can be you can put this dynasty up there with the greatest of like the Chinese dynasties long 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 ago BC and all that Well, this dynasty can soon come to an end. Here's the issue Beyond the 2019 and 2020 season. So at the end of next season The only player signed past then is Steph Curry Even their first-round pick from this past season has a player option that he can uh, or is a team option It's a team option that they can pick up This offseason specifically boogie's contract is up Clay's contract is up, and Kevin Durant is most likely going to opt out of his contract, hopefully to get a long-term deal, a new one. Beyond that, you still need to pay Draymond Green next offseason, maybe sooner than later, albeit, considering he is unhappy with his pay, and I do see why. There could be an argument, there, there definitely is an argument there, that he is the most underpaid player in the NBA based on his return value on investment, and that excludes, like, any studs who are still in the rookie deals because, yeah, they're obviously underpaid. Um, so here's the situation. The Warriors have a couple of ways they can address this, but if they do not act fast, like I said, their dynasty could be completely over. Now, 
you're probably thinking, okay, he's just stating facts that I can Google. What's he getting at? Well, I did say they're at a crossroads here with about a thousand routes, maybe even a million routes they can take. So here's what I think they should do to try and keep it going. And I, like I said, my whole argument here is that both Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are more valuable to the team and should be signed over Kevin Durant. I'll start with probably the most obvious point, albeit it's the point that could be contested the most, but I still think it has to be said. The 2015-16 Warriors, with the big three of Curry, Thompson, and Green, no KD, no Boogie, went 73-9. and Any other Warriors team since, after Durant has joined, has not reached that regular season success. I know they lost in the finals, but they did have a 3-1 lead. Um, they did play well enough to win it. They just did not win it. They had that regular season success, however. In my opinion, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are two pivotal pieces to this team that they absolutely cannot succeed without. As crazy as it is for me to say, Kevin Durant can be replaced. Sort of. Put like an asterisk there. You won't replace the scoring. But so what if you go from scoring 140 points per game to 120 points per game? You're still winning games just this time by 10 to 15 instead of 20 to 25. Do you know what I mean? You have a guy in Klay Thompson who is consistent enough to give you 20 points a night with the upside to go absolutely bonkers and drop 10 threes on 11 opportunities for 44 points. And he could shoot literally anywhere on the floor. Mid-range, he's got a, a wicked three-point shot like we know. If you get rid of Clay, opponents know that Steph is going to be shooting much more. They're going to game plan just for Steph Curry. And while Kevin Durant does have a three-point shot to him, it's about it. Draymond Green doesn't. Anybody on the bench does not. Quinn Cook, yeah. Anybody else on the bench does not. And if we're essentially losing Boogie here, you're, whoever's playing the five does not have it as well. So teams will start double-teaming Steph more and essentially eliminating the three or really, really, really limiting it because Steph Curry can hit with five people around him sometimes. Uh, they're eliminating the three from the offense, and that is not what you want. That's not Warriors basketball right now. For the Warriors up to now, they have not had to sacrifice anything, right? They drafted all these guys. They brought them into the league. They haven't had to get rid of anybody other than Harrison Barnes, and Harrison Barnes really wasn't part of the big three. They honestly became like a really spoiled child, and now they have to figure out that they're growing up, and they have to figure out what to give up because they have to give up something. And it can't be defense. Uh, you can score 140 points a game, but if you let the opponent score 150 points a game, you're literally losing the game. You're losing all the games. Draymond Green absolutely deserves to be paid. He's a former Defensive Player of the Year. He's easily in the running every year from that. Albeit, his offensive numbers have dropped this year, but he's still productive, period. I think it's much easier to fill your roster up with guys who can shoot than it is to fill your roster up with guys who excel at defense. I think defense has to be taught. It has to be... It's a skill that has to be developed over years, right? I don't think Draymond Green stepped in and was the best defensive player right away. I think he had a good defense and they developed his defensive skill. It's about a balance. Draymond and Clay are yin and yang. They're a balance, scoring and defense. Both of these guys are pieces of glue that hold this team together. And in my opinion, Kevin Durant was just an accessory that you bought for $49.99 online that made this team look so much better. You didn't necessarily need him, but he made your team look so much better. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not chirping Kevin Durant at all. I recognize he's probably a top five player in the NBA. I'm just saying that Klay Thompson is more valuable to this team here. <clears throat> and no, I did not forget about Boogie. I just have a strong hunch that he won't be in a uniform 
he won't be in a Warriors uniform, sorry. He won't be in a Warriors uniform next season for the $5 million that he's getting right now. He's fully healthy, and he will get close to or an actual max deal elsewhere. But the addition of Boogie is very interesting. I know it's been two games so far. By the time you're hearing this, maybe three, four, whatever it is. Uh, the addition of Boogie is still very interesting. It adds another dynamic to this offense that's very interesting to watch. Um, another dynamic that the best offense in the league didn't necessarily need, but we're glad they have, right? Uh, he stretches out and can hit the three, something no Warriors big man has been able to do for a long time. Uh, Zaza Pachulia was not able to do that, I'll be honest with you guys. So this, uh, this now forces defenders to actually guard Boogie when he's behind the three-point line, opening up a ton of more space in the middle of the court for somebody to uh, make a cut in the lane for Boogie, who is surprisingly a good passer, to find. Now, hopefully the Warriors can draft another five just like that in the near future. You won't get Boogie himself, but if you can get 75% of what Boogie does, go for it, right? And that brings me to my final point, drafting. Even without many, the Warriors have done some of the better draft, uh, some of the best drafting I've seen out of these NBA teams, a true proof as to why they've been so successful. There's a reason why the Phoenix Suns are constantly picking in the top five because they haven't been successful at drafting. And yet the Warriors, with as little draft picks as they have had, and as late as they have had in the first round, have done amazing. You already know that they drafted Steph, they drafted Draymond, they drafted Clay, but they've also drafted Harrison Barnes, who's when he was with them was fantastic, and uh, is still a pretty good NBA player, I can hypothesize. Uh, they drafted Kevin Looney, who was a great role player. They drafted Damian Jones. They're both backup big men for them, who offer a ton of upside. Their development game is fantastic. They developed Quinn Cook. They've developed Jordan Bell into guys who you can argue could be starters on other teams in the league. I think Jordan Bell could take over for Boogie next year, and I think Quinn Cook is very capable as a six-man takeover for Sean Livingston when Sean Livingston's gone. Um, and last year, they drafted somebody who, again, in my opinion, can be the next great defender in this league by the name of Jacob Evans. So all this to say, dynasties come to an end. And this one will be done before we know it. Within five years, every single starter on this team will be 34 or above with minimal years of actual production left in this league. You can go till you're 44 or however old Vince Carter is, but he hasn't been productive for a couple years, let's be honest here. As much as everybody hates the fact that the Warriors are winning, it's the mission of every NBA team to put together a roster that they feel can win every single game in that particular season, every season. No NBA team is going to win three championships in the span of four years and just think, oh, okay, we've won three, let's give up and let somebody else win for once. That's not happening. If you're thinking like that, you're fired. If you think Warriors basketball is boring, you clearly do not watch Warriors basketball. I'm not saying I'm a fan. I'm just saying that this is a legendary team that's playing in our time. For those of us who are around my age, we never got to see the Michael Jordan Bulls teams, the Magic Johnson Lakers teams, but we get the pleasure to see this team. So take advantage while you can. Watch Warriors basketball this season. It may be some of the purest form of basketball you will ever see. All right, moving on now. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. This is really going to be the theme of this episode. I'm going to be taking a couple of topics and just talking about them for like five, ten minutes. I had a lot to say on the Warriors, and I have a lot to say about this next guy, but he's got a ton of time and we're going to be talking about him a ton more between now and june even after june um 
It's Zion Williamson. I'm not going to hide it. Uh, Zion Williamson, the headline I'm saying for this is like kind of my, my theory here is that Zion Williamson can be a bust. I know it's controversial. I'm doing some hot takes here, but I truly think that there is a scenario in which Zion Williamson is a bust, maybe one of the worst number one picks potentially in NBA history. Um, NBA generational talent really only comes once in, well, once in a generation. Uh, it doesn't happen every year that there's a franchise-changing player at the top of the draft. Not every first overall pick is going to be the next LeBron James or LeBron James himself. Teams have adopted recently the process of tanking, probably made famous by Philly at this point, and trust the process. Uh, they've adopted this process of tanking to try and consistently, constantly get the first overall pick, trying to find that next LeBron. A ton of teams this year specifically are tanking, even LeBron's former team, the Cavs, believing that they have the next franchise player in Zion Williamson. And if you've watched him at Duke, there's no denying that Zion Williamson is the most talented college basketball player right now. For all intents and purposes, if you're trying to put butts in the seats or you're trying to have the craziest highlight reel dunks on YouTube, Zion Williamson is your guy. He's your number one overall pick. But if you're trying to win a championship, I'm not necessarily sold. Now, I'll be fully transparent. I first heard this argument on Jalen and Jacoby, but when I thought about it, it made sense. Think about it. What is Zion known for right now? He's known for absolutely bullying defenders in the post, filling the stat sheet with a couple of rebounds, a couple of blocks, a couple of steals here and there a game, and sports in our top 10 dunks. His field goal percentage is so overinflated by his post game and his dunks because he is not a good shooter at all, especially from beyond the three-point line. And that is such a huge part of his game that is missing, but that is at the same time very pivotal to succeeding in the NBA. And you're probably thinking, so what? Everybody has weaknesses in their game. That's just what he's got to work on. Well, you're right. I'm not denying it there. That is what he has to work on. I think anybody would agree that if you can't shoot, it's hard to succeed in this league. But again, that's not Zion's game. Zion's game, offensively at least, really relies on his work in the paint. He's absolutely dominating college defenders with ease, if I could say so myself. But that's the point. He's dominating college defenders. Do you think he'll have the exact same results against seven-foot-tall elite NBA defenders who have watched film on him for days and know exactly what he's going to do? The answer is no. The NBA is more technical, more skillful, more physical than any of these guys that Zion is facing right now. And that's a real concern for me. Zion has a ton of tools that makes him very exciting for teams, but he's going to have to work his ass off to make it in the NBA. He's by far one of the most intriguing prospects we've seen in years. Seven foot six, but lives in the paint? It doesn't come around, ever. Seven foot six? Whoa, 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 whoa. Ethan, man, you got to be tripping. Seven foot six is massive. Zion's actually six seven. I think you just kind of mixed up your numbers there a bit. He's revolutionary, all right. Whether that's good or bad is yet to be seen. There's no doubting his talent. There's no doubting his markability. But there's still a chance that Zion is a bust. So last but not least today, I'm going to finish off talking about the NFL. Because you guys know, football never dies here at CST. Um, I'd say Brady, myself, and Rap are probably, our most knowledge comes from football. And this is something that we have a huge passion for, especially fantasy football on my end. You know, beating Brady and the fantasy football finals two years ago and winning them again this year just saying 
Um, but there's a problem. There, there's always a problem with the NFL. If you guys haven't realized lately, there's always something drying up storylines literally every second day. And I'm going to be basically reviewing, sorry about that, reviewing what happened last Sunday on the NFC and AFC championships. And honestly, I, I'm not going to give you guys a detailed prediction and what's going to happen in the Super Bowl right now. All I'm going to say is if conventional storylines are true, Patriots going to win on Tom Brady's back. Nothing else uh, is to say is to be said there. Just because if you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prep, that's just really dangerous. And I think the Patriots can pull it out. Uh, if the Rams win, it's because of my MVP of the entire season, Aaron Donald. The guy's insane. So he is definitely going to have to alter the game. He's going to have to put the team on his back and somebody get him a back brace after because he's. If he does that, if, if they win the game, it is really should be on him. Uh, Todd Gurley hasn't looked like himself recently. CK, I don't know why everyone's saying CJ Anderson's good. CJ Anderson is not good. Uh, there's a reason why he's cut from so many teams. I think he had one good week and then back down to earth, bud. Um, he's like Eddie Lacy in terms of weight. Um, I can't really talk because I'm also like Eddie Lacy in terms of weight, just I don't play professional football. So, you know. Anyways, uh, going back to the NFC and AFC championships, I just, I'm kind of tired, you know, and I call this segment Roger That because it's a really a rant to Roger Goodell and maybe some suggestions for Roger Goodell to do his job properly because, you know, I'm very qualified for that, as you guys can, can tell. And I just, I want the NFL to just give me one Sunday without controversy. I, I, I would love it, right? I, I dare them to. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> it's absolutely just ridiculous at this point. I've personally accepted the fact that they found these NFL officials from Bird Box. And no, that's not an original joke. I found that on Twitter somewhere, but I thought it was really funny. So Sandra Bullock wants to put on a blindfold and strap on a zebra outfit, and uh, she'd be better than half the refs out there. Regardless, complaining about it literally won't change anything, and apparently even Roger Goodell isn't even able to change anything. Um, if you guys saw Michael Thomas's tweet, he tweeted a certain section in the rule book apparently allows the commissioner to do something like that. Uh, it's not happening, as you guys can tell. The Rams are going to be there. Um, but what I did get from this, what I gathered from this whole kind of controversy thing, is that there's an obvious need for rule changes. And on a side note, I kind of love that the NFL is reactive instead of proactive. That was very sarcastic of me, by the way. But that's a whole other rant. That's a whole other rant for a whole other time. Uh, I think a professional football league should be very proactive and not just reactive. But again, a whole other rant, a whole other time. Side note, conspiracy theory. The NFL actually pays its refs to purposely miss certain calls to drop controversy. Controversy means more eyes watching, more dollars in their pocket. Just saying, it all makes sense. Just saying. Somebody get Jesse Ventura on that. All right, let's get into this. <laughs> um, it's been widely accepted that the Nikhil Roby Coleman hit on Tom Lee Lewis should have been a pass interference penalty. Literally, nobody's denying that. I'm pretty sure Roby Coleman admitted to it. I'm pretty sure Todd Gurley posted a, that meme of him and the ref swapping jerseys on his Instagram also just trolling people because no one's denying that that was a pass interference penalty. Even the NFL called Sean Payton right after and said that should have been a penalty. What this does bring up, however, is an interesting question for me. Why isn't it that coaches are not allowed to challenge penalties? Like, like, why can't coaches challenge penalties? The penalties have such an impact on the game that coaches should absolutely be able to challenge them, in my opinion. I mean, refs are human. Refs make mistakes, and mistakes are inevitable. As humans, we all make mistakes. Why not let coaches get another opinion on something that can have literally a win or loss impact on this game? Specifically in this case, it cost the Saints the ball game. I'm a firm believer in that. No, it did not win the game for the Rams, 
But I am, again, a firm believer that it lost the game for the Saints. If that penalty um, happened, if that penalty occurred, they would have had first down within the 10-yard line. Rams would have had, I think, two or one uh, timeouts left. And the Saints either would have scored a touchdown or got a field goal, and the Rams would have got the ball back with, like, I don't know, 20 seconds left. Like, it's very improbable that they would have won. But no, it didn't happen, and we move on. I think... Giving coaches the ability to challenge a penalty would absolutely fix the issue that the NFL has right now. Whether they realize it or not, it is a huge issue, especially this season. Um, diehard fans, when you're in the, in the mind of a diehard fan, you can't fathom the fact that refs are human who do make mistakes. The fans expect perfection from their players and from the refs. And I mean, in all honesty, if I'm paying a bunch of money, a bunch of money, a ton of money to sit in a stadium or to watch it on TV, I'm expecting the best refs you guys can get also. And again, personally, as a Steelers fan, <laughs> it's a little side note, I guess. I know firsthand how hard it is to cope with a missed call or like seven, a game for the past couple years, at least. No, but <laughs> eventually... If the refing gets worse and worse, you will absolutely lose fans to the XFL, the American Football League of Football, or whatever it's called, the thing on CBS. Maybe even worse, to the CFL. This is like where I, myself as the editor, would probably insert a dun-dun-dun, or like lightning bolts, but I don't know, maybe I'm too lazy. We'll, we'll, we'll see how I feel. Um, why doesn't the NFL just take a page from the NBA's book? In fact, the NBA just announced, this is like two weeks ago, that they're going to give fans the opportunity to tweet at the refs live in-game on certain games and give their opinion and hopefully limit the amount of blown calls, which in turn will limit fans' anger. I mean, personally, I don't agree with giving Twitter users the chance to basically call a game, but I commend the NBA and Adam Silver for actually doing something. I think... Adam Silver is probably the best commissioner out of the big four commissioners right here. He's actually doing something about it before it gets to be such a big problem like it is in the NFL right now. So, Goodell, I mean, don't specifically let um, Twitter users call your games, but try something along those lines. Give uh, give coaches the opportunity to challenge a penalty. This can literally alter a game. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm done with the NFC Championship. That's all I have to say. Um, The Rams did play well enough to win the game, and the Saints kind of let the Rams back in the game. I'll admit that. But at the same time, that call literally altered the trajectory trajectory of the game. So there's that. I'm not done shitting on the NFL. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, There was another game on Sunday. Uh, AFC Championship, and listen, if you can like close your eyes and just envision what was to happen, you would have got it right, because they follow the same recipe, the same storyline every year. Tom Brady drives his team down the field, one last drive, gets the game-winning touchdown. It happens every time. The only problem I have here, uh, other than the fact that, again, personally, I hate the Patriots, and look, there was a, a reference to what I said before when I was talking about the Warriors. Um, it's that ultimately the Patriots were awarded the chance to drive down because of a coin flip. Notice I said they weren't, they didn't win because of the coin flip, but they were given the chance to drive down first and end the game because of a coin flip, a 50-50 shot. No, the coin flip, again, didn't win the game for them. Slashers didn't lose the game for the Chiefs, but it gave Brady the chance to win. And don't give Tom Brady a chance to close out a game and not expect him to take it. Like, it's just unfathomable right there. Listen, it's a given that in life, in general, life isn't fair, and nobody will get equal opportunity. So you shouldn't bitch about the the Chiefs not getting the ball. But in the interest of making the sport more exciting, they should have gotten the ball. 
And yes, football is a game that involves both offense and defense, and you have to play defense just as much as you have to play offense. And yes, the Saints got the ball first and the Rams will find a way to win. Yes, these are givens. I accept these facts. I'm not denying them. But in the interest of fan excitement, give the fans as much offense as possible in overtime. I mean, defense wins championships, but fans love offense. That's why um, the MVP every year, if they're voted by fans, it'd be the quarterback, like it'd be a wide receiver. These are the guys who are getting the million, trillion, billion, whatever dollar contracts because they're fan favorites. Um, the way college football does overtime is fantastic. And this argument's been given before and I'll reinforce it right now. I think the NFL should move their overtime rules to kind of mimic the college football overtime rules and if you guys don't know what they are their rules give both offenses and both defenses a chance to prove that they can outlast each other um a offense i don't know whatever whoever wins the coin toss starts with the ball from the 25 they get four downs to get 10 yards it's it's basically get the ball from the 25 and they have to score and if they score then their defense has to stop them they win and if their defense doesn't stop the other team's offense and they they go on and they go on they go on um the texas a&m and lsu game that this this past season that happened it finished 74 72 in seven overtimes now that might be a little excessive but you bet your ass that people were glued to the TV and fans did not leave their seats at the stadium the entire time because it was exciting. It was it was thrilling. Watching the highlights were amazing. And if Roger Goodell wants that for his league, if you want your fans constantly glued to the TV, you want your fans filling stadiums and not leaving, give the fans what they want. Give them offense. Do you Roger that? Over and out. You get it? That was a little joked anyways it's okay we tried it it didn't work it's fine totally fine all right i want to thank you guys so much for dealing with me for the past half an hour i know uh this is very narcissistic of myself to give myself a 30 minute just talking but i i covered some topics that i think are kind of not polarizing but i have some difference of opinions on and i think uh it can stir up a debate so if you guys don't agree with me at all feel free to tweet us at casual sports pod or uh reach out to any of us and we can have a discussion about it i mean the reason why we do this here at cst is because we love talking about sports um so i want to thank you guys once more brady and rap will have their podcast either late this week or early next week um articles our articles are starting again monday we're getting our writers uh getting them back in and we're, we're getting the articles started again monday so thank you for your patience on that we just had a, a little Christmas break going and again if there's anything you guys want me specifically to talk about you let me know there's a lot that I left out today uh, there's a lot that I wanted to talk about but I figured I'd keep it a little shorter for you guys I want to talk about Peter Shirelli maybe we'll talk about him next week and the mess he left in Edmonton maybe talk about the NFL coaching hires I have a lot of problems with a lot of hires there that I would love to rant about and um, if given the opportunity I would love to so uh, we will talk to you guys very soon thank you again for listening make sure to follow us and we'll see you guys next time and if brady was here he'd say go blue but he's not so i'll see you guys next time thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of casual sports talk be sure to hit that subscribe button on soundcloud so you can know exactly when we release a brand new episode also, be sure to be following us on Facebook and Instagram at Casual Sports Talk and on Twitter at Casual Sports Pod. Also, be on the lookout for CST Daily, where we do a daily rundown of everything that happened in the world of sports. 
you can find it on our Instagram story or on our Facebook page. See you next time.